Masechet Yavamot, Daf Saditet. We saw Mishnah that talked about five sons who were all switched at birth. And now we're going to quote a Braita that uh, cites a few curious cases also of children that were switched at birth. And it leads to interesting outcomes regarding Yibum. So here we go. Tenura Banan. Yesh choles misafek, misafek, misafek. You can construct a, a, such a case where Someone would need to do chalitza to his own mother, be uh, out of sefek, or sister, or own daughter. Normally, if any any out uh, of a close relation, family relation, uh, falls to a yavam, uh, so there's no need to do yibum or chalitza at all. The entire law doesn't apply, and she can simply um, uh, that these yavamot can simply go free and marry anyone they want. But because these cases are doubtful, where it could be it is his mother or not, because the people switched at birth. So let's see the first case. Kesad you have two women one is this guy's mother and one is uh, not related uh, they both have sons but they're switched they have sons and they know who those sons are but then they have a second son uh, in hiding meaning in a situation where uh, there's no one around to identify and they got switched the older one who we know who they are, they each marry the mother of the other one, which is fine. They're, they're not related at all. Uh, um, assuming the mothers uh, were divorced or their, their previous husbands had died. And those husbands died without children. So the brothers who were may have been switched have to do chalitza. So they're giving chalitza to both women, or one of them is his mother. But yet they have to do both because we don't know which is which. Here's a little diagram where you have uh, Rachel, uh, Yaakov and Rachel had a son, Yosef, and Yoven and had a son, Hetzron. Okay, and we know who they are. That's good. Uh, but then they also, uh, Rachel also has a son, um, Aleph, and Hana has a son, Bet, but these may have been switched. We're not sure. Uh, so Yosef and uh, Yaakov and Uven are divorced or they die. Uh, so leaving Rachel and Hana single, well, Yosef marries Hana, Hezron marries Rachel. That's fine. These are two totally unrelated families. Well, now they're related because they, uh, they, they married into each other. Uh, and so that's fine. But they, these two guys died without kids. And so now the uh, brother uh, needs to do yibum. So the brother here, Yosef's paternal brother, is this guy uh, Aleph. And Chesron's paternal brother is Bet. So technically, if they were not switched, it would be totally fine. He would need to do yibum for his brother and therefore uh, marry Hannah. Uh, and he's not related to Hana, so that would be totally fine. Uh, and the other way around too. But if they were switched at birth, then uh, this bet is actually the son of Hana. And so just in case that's true, they cannot do Yibum. They both do Chalitza, and the Chalitza, one of them will be to, uh, to one or both will be to their, uh, zero or both will be to their own mothers. Okay. That's the first case. Now, la hatomi safek How can you have a case of chalitza uh, uh, with a sister? Mother and some other woman both gave birth to 
uh, girls in hiding. And now, this, in this case, it's the girls that got mixed up. And their brothers from uh, from not not from that mother uh, married these two sisters. So that was uh, that was allowed because it's the other way around. And they died. Those husbands died without children. And so the surviving brothers would have to do chalitza because they don't know which sister is whose. Uh, here is a chart. This chart is actually not of the exactly of our text of the Talmud, but rather one that Rashi cites uh, and is in the Tosefta. Uh, so it's a slightly different construction, but the same idea of giving of Chalitza with two with two sis, with a sister. Uh, here you have Yaakov who had uh, three sons, two of them, Reuven and Shimon, with uh, another woman, not pictured here. And then with Rachel had a son, Levi. So these are all paternal brothers. Now Rachel, uh, uh, Yaakov is, uh, dies, is out of the picture or divorced. Rachel remarries Moshe and has a, um, a daughter here, uh, Aleph. Uh, Moshe then uh, also has another wife and has a daughter, Bet. The problem is, is that these two sisters were switched at birth. Um, okay, now Ruven marries Aleph and Shimon marries Bet. That's totally fine also because uh, Shimon is not actually related. It's true that there, it was their father's wife's uh, uh, daughter, but that's not, that's not directly related, so they can do that. Uh, they, marry, they die without children and leaving Levi to be the Yavam, uh, to do Yibum with, uh, well, uh, both of these, uh, Reuven and Shimon. So the problem is that one of them is his maternal sister. One of them is not related. So if they were not switched at birth, uh, then he could do Yibum with Bet. There would be no, no Yibum, no Chalitza needed for Aleph, that's his sister. Uh, thing is, uh, we don't know which is which, so therefore he can't do Yibum with either, and one of them needs Chalitza, we don't know which one, so he will end up to giving Chalitza to his own sister. And so there you go, that is case number two. And now we get to the third case. Lebito misafek kesad ishto v'isha acheret sheyeldu shetenekevot b'machabe u'ba'u achehen unsaum u'metu belo banim ze choles lebito misafek ve'ze choles lebito misafek. You can have a case of someone giving chalitza to his own daughter if uh, his wife and some other woman both had girls, but those girls got mixed up. The brothers of this uh, guy, or any either one of them, uh, came and married the two brothers from another mother, uh, married those two kids, and uh, they died without children. So those the surviving brother would have to do chalitza to both women. Uh, one of them being his daughter, the other one not related. Here is a diagram. Um, uh, so you have uh, these Uven, Isaac, Yaakov, these are three are brothers, um, and uh, he is married to Leah. He has a daughter. The thing is, the daughter gets mixed up with some other other girl who's also a daughter of someone, and uh, they get mixed up. Now Yitzhak and ya ya Yaakov and Yitzhak, uh come go ahead and marry 
um, uh, marry uh, both of them. Yitzhak marries one, Yitzhak marries the other. The one that's not related is totally fine. The other one is his brother's daughter, which is also totally fine. They can even be full siblings. Um, so that's his niece. Uh, that's permitted as well. Uh, now, they, they, these, they both die. So in a classic case of niece a situation, Reuven would not do Yibum and no need to do Chalitza with his own daughter. So she could just go free. Thing is, they got mixed up at birth, so she may very well be uh, someone else, uh, not related to him. So he has to do chalitza to both because um, they one of them needs to go free, and he can't do yibum to either because one of them might need his, might be his daughter. So there you go. He does chalitza to his own daughter, Mi Safik. We're now going to cite two more fascinating cases. These have nothing to do with Yibum and nothing to do with mixed up children. But since we're talking about uh, fun construction of, uh, of, of scenarios, so here's a couple more. Tanya. It is possible for the same man and wife to give birth to five sons that are of completely different status in terms of their lineage. How could that happen? Kesad. A Jew buys a non-Jewish uh, slave and uh, slave woman from the marketplace. And they already have two children. Um, so they are all not Jewish. Uh, one of them, con- one of those sons converts. So now you have a non-Jew and a Jew. That's already two categories. That father and mother, if the owner then uh, has them go in th- into the mikveh to become officially Evid Kenani and Shifcha Kenanit, and then they are t- mate. Then their child, that'll be their third child, will be a slave. So now that's three uh, different classes of people. Uh, Now if the owner frees the uh, slave woman, and uh, so now uh, she becomes Jewish. So a Jew with an Avid, they have a child. That fourth, fourth child is a Mamzer. This is not agreed upon by everyone. In fact, it's not the majority opinion, but there is an opinion that a Jew and, uh, and a slave who have a child together uh, produce a Mamzer, and we're following that opinion here. He frees both of the father and the mother. He frees the, the father also. And they get married and they have a child. So now you have a full Jew as their child. So there you go, all five possibilities. And here is a chart uh, of, of this uh, that goes through each of them. Uh, but we already did so. Um, that's an interesting case. Now we say, What's the point of this? What is it teaching us? Uh, uh, you know, it's a, it seems you're just, I mean, it's an interesting case, but you're just applying the rules that we all know. Uh, that might teach you, what is it teaching us new? It's teaching us that if a, a non-Jew um, or a slave who uh, who have a child with a Jewish woman, the child will be a mamzer, according to this opinion. Okay, in fact, uh, it, it could be that this was uh, a, another kind of brain teaser. 
But it's nice if the brain teaser also teaches us uh, a new halacha. Okay, it's in a banan, and yet one more interesting scenario. Yesh mocheret aviv lehagbot imo ketubata. It could be a possibility that a son would have to sell his father in order to pay his mother's ketuva. How so? Kesad. Yisrael lakach eved v'shivcha min ha-shuk ben. A Jew buys um, a man and woman's uh, slaves uh, from the marketplace, and they have a child. They already had a child, or or, uh, or they have a child. And then this Jewish owner frees the uh, the maidservant, and uh, she becomes Jewish, and he marries her, which is totally permitted. And he decides to give away all of his property to his to her son her biological son um good now of course when they get married he owes her a ketuva so uh, what if this guy what if they should do, do this jewish owner and now his wife who used to be a shivcha if they he dies or they get divorced now the ketuva has to be paid well where's all the money the money is with the biological son of uh, of the wife. So Nimsa Zemochedet Aviv Lagbot Limo Kituvata. Now among the property that the uh, that the Jew had was he bought the this man, the man who is the father of this of this child. So now that he gives all of his property to the to the to the child who is the son of his wife uh, so he, the son, owns his biological father, and now he has to pay the ketuvah for his mother, and in order to raise money for to pay the ketuvah, he may have to sell his own father uh, on the slave market to pay his mother's ketuvah, and there you go. A very interesting case. And here again, what do we, we ask? What is this teaching us? What new halacha, even though it also could be constructed uh, as a thought experiment, as a puzzle, uh, well, we could interpret it two ways. One is that this entire case is according to the Bimeir. And Bimeir thinks that slaves are considered movable objects and movable objects do, do become collateral to pay the ketuvah. Uh, both of these are points of contention. Some people say that, an, uh, that a slave is like land. Um, and also some people say that uh, movable objects do not become collateral mortgage to a loan, only land does. But if you think that, uh, that even movable objects can become collateral and a slave is a movable object, then the slave would be uh, required to sell you know, uh, in order to pay the ketuvah. I mean, he, if there's enough funds, he could sell other things. But let's say there's, exa- there's an insufficient funds, so he would have to, and he would have to uh, sl- sell his father, who is his also his property, in order to pay the ketuvah. Uh, that's one possibility. Or it could follow not to be meir. The other opinion that says slaves are like land, and uh, land does become uh, uh, collateral. There's a lien on the land for the to pay the loan to pay the ketuvah, and therefore he would have to sell not only land but also slaves uh, in order to pay the ketuvah. Either way, uh, that would be an outcome of this interesting case. Good, and now we get to the next Mishnah. The next Mishnah continues with cases of mixed up babies at birth. Ha'isha shenit adev velada bivlad kalata. 
You have a woman and her daughter-in-law both gave birth at the same time, which is uh, possible. It happens sometimes even now. And uh, their two sons get mixed up at birth. These two sons who were mixed, who may have been mixed up, uh, they marry women, umetu, and they die. The other uh, sons of the daughter-in-law have to do chalitza and not yibum because uh, they are shehu safek eshet achiv, safek eshet achiv, because we're not sure if the yevama to that one of those brothers is the sister-in-law, which would be fine, that's Yibum, or it could be the wife of his, her father's brother, that's his aunt, uh, and that would be not allowed. So um, they have to do, he has to do Chalitza. However, Bnei Hazekena, the son, uh, the other sons of the older woman, of the original mother, they can do chalitza or even yibum, because either way, it's either that the yevama is either safek eshet achiv, either it's his wife's, uh, his, his brother's wife, and that's good, that's a case of yibum, or it could be eshet ben achiv, or it could be his nephew's wife, which is permitted to him. And so that, that way is okay. Here is a quick diagram. Uh, you have Yitzchak and Hanau, the original parents who give birth to two sons, uh, a third later. Uh, first of all, two sons. One of the sons marries, so that's, this is the daughter-in-law. And uh, they have a child, Menashe, who was for sure. So here you have Gad and you have Menashe. Those are the ones that we know. Uh, this is the son of the elder, and this is the son of the daughter-in-law. Good. So no one got mixed up yet. But then uh, each of these couples has another son, right? The the parents has one, Aleph, and the son with the daughter-in-law has another, Bet. And these may have been mixed up. When these two marry someone else and they die without children, so now the brothers have to do Yibum. If they were not mixed up, then everything would be fine. Gad and Aleph are brothers. So this is his brother's wife. Uh, good, do Yibum. And the same thing here. Menashe and Bet are brothers. He does Yibum for her. So all that is, is just fine. But what if they did get mixed up? Well, then if God was taking the wife of, of, of uh, this one, uh, uh, if in fact they were mixed up, so what would that be to him? That would be his brother's uh, uh, son's wife, his brother's son's wife. That's his nephew's wife. That's permitted. So either way, he can do Yibum or Chalitza. But the other way around is not good. For Menashe, this would be his father's brother's wife. That's his aunt. And there's no Yibum for aunt. And so he has to do Chalitza to both. Uh, so that is the first case of the Mishnah. Now, same case, but Metu Akesherim. Instead of the ones that got mixed up dying, the brothers who we know for sure who they are end up dying. The Gemara is going to say that Kesherim here is not to imply that the other kids are Pisulim or unfit. It just means that they're the Vadaim, that we know who they are. What if they die? Then, Hataruvot, uh, those two sons who may have been mixed up, they would have to Libneha Zikena for the uh, for the sons of the elder woman uh, who died without kids, if there was more than one, they would have to both both the taravot would have to do chotzin v'lombiya b'min chalitzan na'ibum. Why? Because shehu sefek eshet achiv ve'eshet achi aviv. 
because the Yevama too, one of the Tadovot, are either uh, perhaps his brother's wife, in which case he could, he would need to do something, uh, so she can't just go free, but it's a possibility that is it, it is his aunt, in which case he cannot do Yibum. Uh, so we can see this on the next chart, same as this chart, except uh, these people are living and these two have died. So here we go, as follows. Uh, so <clears throat> for... Uh, for here, for her, Chava, the son of the Zekena, uh, the, 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 uh, the daughter-in-law of the Zekena here, uh, who, who, uh, and he died without children. So for her, they would both have to do Chalitza to her because, yes, on the one hand, it could be um, that it's the brother, this is his brother's wife, and so, yeah, you could do Yibum, so, you, so she needs something. Uh, but it could also be the, her, um, his, his, uh, Fathers, here's uh, his his father is Asher, brothers, uh, yeah, this is father's brother's wife, and that would be his aunt, and that would be prohibited. So both of them have to do chalitza to her. However, for for this one, um, either of them can do yibum because if it turns out to be that this one does yibum, uh, then that's his that's his brother's wife, so that's good yibum. And if not, even if it's this one, uh, that would be his brother's son's uh, wife, which is just his nephew's wife, and that was still wouldn't be boom, would still be permitted. So one does chalitza, they pick which one, whichever one they choose. Uh, one does boom, and one does chalitza, and that's the rest of it here. She libne hakala for the other, for the sons of the, uh, on behalf of the sons of the uh, daughter-in-law who died. Echad choles vechad one of the ones that was switched does chalitza and one does yibum. And last case of the Mishnah of switching uh, that has uh, many consequences here. Kohenet shenit adev velada bivlad shivchata. You have a Kohen who's married to a woman, so she's called Kohenet, and they have a son, so the son is a Kohen. Um, and they also own a slave who has a son. And the slave, uh, so now the son of the Kohen and the son of the slave woman get mixed up. Uh, so that means one of these boys is a Kohen, and one of them is a is an Ayavid. Both of them can nevertheless eat Tirumah. The one that's a, a Kohen, he, he could eat Tirumah. The one that is a, a, the, an Ayavid, but he belongs to the household of a Kohen. So anyone in the household can also eat Tirumah. So that's fine. And they can go collect one share of Tirumah in the granary. Uh, we're going to see that we're going to be able to discuss this first. Further, that one person um, they can't get two shares because the servant doesn't deserve his own share. Only a kohen deserves his own share. The kohen can just eat from the share of the kohen. Uh, so together uh, they can share one portion. Neither of them can become tamelamet because one is a kohen, one's not. So safek. Uh, so just in case you're the kohen, you can't become tamelamet. The problem is they can't marry anybody. They can't marry fit people because maybe you're the Evid. And you can't marry unfit people because maybe you're the Kohen. That's a problem. If these two kids now grow up, and let's assume that the father uh, died, and so now the son that is the Kohen inherits the property, including 
the uh, the other kid who is an avid. So now one owns the other, but they don't know which one is which. So they both uh, uh, they both free each other. They give each other a document of emancipation. So uh, once he's emancipated, now he's a Jew. So you have one guy who's a Kohen and one guy who's a uh, now a regular kosher Jew, not a Kohen. So in this case, uh, the now the consequences are different. Now they can marry a Jew, but only someone who a Kohen can marry. So neither of them can marry a divorcee because either of them can might be the Kohen. Uh, but they can marry a non-divorcee, a regular Jew that a Kohen could marry. Now, nevertheless, they can st- still continue uh, the same law that they cannot become Tameh for a met uh, if it's not a close relative. But they will not get lashes if they do so. A regular Kohen who does become Tameh uh, on purpose, so uh, the court gives them lashes. But this over here, the court cannot prove that either one deserves lashes because the court cannot prove that either one's a Kohen. And uh, so you can't give a punishment without definite proof. And neither of them now can eat teruma beforehand. One was a Kohen, one was an Evid. So he belonged to the Kohen in the Kohen's family. So that's fine. But now, uh, neither one, because one's a Israel and uh, is not allowed to eat a teruma, so neither can. But if uh, one of them did eat teruma, they don't have to pay the fine of the extra 25% uh, because uh, one has to prove that they deserve to pay uh, to, to pay the fine and so let the court prove that you're a non-Kohen and since they can't prove it, no fine. And if they go to collect uh, food from the granary, they would not get it because each one say, you know, prove that you're the Kohen and you don't want to give it to the non-Kohen. You say, I'll say both show up and say, okay, give us both one portion altogether because one of us is a Kohen. Also, they cannot collect it because we want to, we don't want to uh, get, uh, open the possibility that the non Kohen will eat the Teruma. So neither of them are going to get it. Uh, if they have, let's say they have their own grain and they separate, they still have to separate Teruma. Uh, so if they separate Teruma, uh, on the one hand, they don't have to give it to a Kohen for free. Because let the, let someone come, let the Kohen come and prove that I am a Israel. Uh, since they can't prove it, I don't have to actually give it to them. On the other hand, uh, neither of the brothers can actually eat it because they might be Israel. So therefore, they can sell it uh, to a Kohen and keep the money. Uh, why can they keep the money? Because uh, let the Kohen prove that he that I'm. Uh, that I am not a Kohen, and then I'll give him the money. But since he can't prove it, so the monetary value of the Tiruma, either brother is allowed to keep, but he just neither of them can actually eat the Tiruma. There's a difference between the Kedusha and the, and the money. Uh, similarly here, Venan Cholkin Bekodshe HaMikdash. Any holy items in the Bet HaMikdash that are usually shared by Kohanim, they do not get. This would include portions of sacrificial meat. They can't even eat Tiruma, for sure they cannot eat that. They also would not get the hides. The hides of Olot uh, would normally go to the Kohen. The Kohen's would split it. They're worth money. Uh, so they don't get a portion of that either. Also other gifts that usually people will give to the Kohen, like a Bechod animal. Uh, these two, neither of these brother, these 
uh, two guys who were switched can get them because you never know which one is in fact a Kohen. Ben Mosin Shalahem Midehem. If either of these individuals happens to get his hands on, let's say, one of these hides, uh, then uh, he can keep it and you cannot take it away from him because let the, let the other Kohen prove that this guy is not a Kohen and then he can come and take it. Otherwise, it's, um, it's uh, just the monetary value. Uh, so this guy can keep that monetary value. There's no kedusha to something like uh, like the animal hides. In general, whenever someone uh, does shechita on an animal, even just to eat it, not not a korban, uh, one has to give these uh, different sections, the foreleg, uh, the jaw, the moa, the part of the stomach, has to give it to the kohen. So this is not kodesh, they're not holy foods, it's just the monetary value. And therefore this guy, uh, since he's either a kohen, in that case you could keep it, or he's a uh, Yisrael, I mean he's a convert, um, he wasn't evid and freed, in which case he would have to give it to to the Kohen, since it's uh, doubtful either way, and no one could prove that he's not a Kohen, so therefore he can keep these and let a Kohen come and prove that uh, this guy is not a Kohen, and then take it from him, but since no one can prove it, he's allowed to keep the monetary value. What if this, either one of these two guys were mixed up, has a Bechor animal. Usually a Bechor animal you have to give to the Kohen. And the Kohen would have to make it a sacrifice if it uh, was unblemished and the Kohen, if it's, it is blemished, then the Kohen can uh, take it and use it and uh, enjoy its monetary value. In this case, uh, this guy cannot sacrifice the animal um, because he maybe he's not a Kohen. He might be Israel, but also he does not have to give it to a Kohen because he might be a Kohen and no one can prove otherwise. So therefore, uh, we do something in the middle. He keeps it, but he cannot sacrifice it. Instead, instead he lets it graze, graze until it, be, it get, becomes unfit, until it gets a blemish. And at that point, uh, it does not have to be sacrificed anymore and he can uh, simply use it. For, uh, for himself, because all that's left is the monetary value, and again, uh, you cannot take it from his hands, because no one can prove that he's not a Kohen. Uh, and then a, a, a general statement, he gets all of the stringencies of being both a Kohen and a Yisrael. All right, that is the Mishnah. Kemal is going to give a few short comments on some of these sections. This is HaKesherim. Uh, in the uh, case above, uh, said, what if the two uh, brothers that were known uh, should die? Now we say, Why are you calling the brothers who we, who we are know who's, who their mother is for certain? You're calling them Kesherim, and the ones who were mixed up at birth, what, are they unfit just because they were mixed up? That doesn't make them unfit in any way for marriage or other things. So, explains, you're right. Uh, you can say the the ones who were the who were for sure we know their know who their parent parents are. They're the ones that died. So kishedim here means vadain. All right. So that explains that language. So for um, uh, in 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 that case uh, above uh, the 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 children of the kala 
so the the for the for the daughter-in-laws of the kala who would be yevamot, you have to do chalitza first. One has one of the ones who is not known does chalitza, and the other one does does yibum, um, right? Because uh, at worst it would be uh, the his uh, nephew, or it could be a sister-in-law, in which case it could be do would be yibum. So the gemara is pointing out that you have to make sure to do chalitza first and only then yibum. Aval but if you do Yibum first, then who knows? It might be the wrong one. It might be the one who is the uncle. So yeah, he's allowed to marry the niece, but not before the other one does Chalitza, because the other one is in fact the brother-in-law, is the Avam. And so if the uncle should, should do Yibum first, he is marrying a Yivama who is, still has a zika to the Yavam. She's not allowed to marry anyone else yet, but if once that guy does Chalitza, then the other one can do Yibum. So whoever's going to do whichever has to do Chalitza first and then Yibum. All right, now this last case, Chohenet, Shenit it says that they go to the granary. Uh, let's say they go together, right? The one that's a, um, the child that's a Kohen, and the child who is an Ivid. We don't know which is which. They both go to the granary. They only get one portion. Well, isn't that obvious they only get one portion? What In what scenario would they possibly get two portions? Each Kohen gets one portion. One of them is not a Kohen. <clears throat> so rather it means, They get a portion as one, meaning they have to both show up in order to receive one portion. Why they both need to be there? As follows, Must be that our Mishnah follows the opinion of a Machloket that we're about to see, that we do that at the granary. They do not uh, give out, distribute Terumah to a slave unless the master is with him. So they're only going to give it to the master. You could bring a slave along to help him carry it, uh, but they do not give it to the slave. And therefore, one of these two people is a slave. So if anyone shows up by himself, we can't give it to him. If they're both there, then we know that one of them is a Kohen. So and only in that case will they dispense a one portion for the two. Detanya, what is this machloket about? It says, En cholkin elem ken uh, Braita says we do not give Tirumah to a slave unless the master is with him, and that's the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. That's what we just quoted. That's our Mishnah, is the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Machmir. Rabbi Yosemir, Yachol, Sheomar, Im Kohen Ani, Tenuli Bishbil Atzmi. Im Ebed Kohen Ani, Tenuli Bishbil Rabbi. It's fine either way. He can say, listen, if I'm the Kohen, uh, Rabbi Yosemir doesn't require uh, one the Kohen to be there. An Ebed, in general, can come and say, I'm bring, I'm, I'd like to receive it on behalf of my master. That's totally fine. Uh, and so here, a, either one of these two uh, kids can come and say, listen, if I'm the one that's the Kohen, please give it to me for myself. I want it. Uh, and if I am the servant, then I will please give it to me for my master. Uh, and either way, it will be able to be able to take it. And so the BSA would disagree with Amishnah and say either one can go and receive the portion, although they're still only going to get one portion between the two of them. Uh, all right, now this has uh, very important consequences, this machloket. In the town of the Biuda, uh, they would 
um, uh, uh, they would assume someone's lineage. They would uh, uh, establish someone's lineage based on their whether they get teruma at the granary. Uh, in other words, if you come, someone comes along and says, oh, "We're not sure is this person a kohen or not a kohen. Is he a fit kohen or not?" Well, let's see. We at, let's see. Is he on the list at the granary? Right. He goes to the granary. See, so he's on the list. He received uh, 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 his father received his grandfather received teruma at the granary. That by itself, just the fact that he is allowed on the list to receive teruma at the granary, means he is a proper kohen. That's why Rabbi Uda will not allow dispensing of teruma to an evid. Evid can say, well, I'm representing him. No good. Because if he represents him, then people will say, oh, I saw him get food at the granary one time. Yeah, the last year. Uh, and based on that, we would say, oh, he's a valid Kohen. But if you allow the Evid to come, to come and do it, then you'd have a problem because Evid is not a valid Kohen. So therefore, in the place of the Biudah, they'd be, have to be very strict uh, because they made a one-to-one -one relationship. Proper Kohen can receive them from the granary. Otherwise, no. In the place of Rabbi Yoseh, they did not establish someone's lineage based on the granary, right? The granary, lots of people can come to the granary, anyone who's related in the household, all that. So therefore, um, he could be lenient and uh, allow anyone to take the portion on behalf of the Kohen. Uh, that's just fine because we are not using it as a proof. All right, that's very interesting. And now we have a story about this. In my entire life, I only testified once in a court. And that one time, they came out a mistake. And they established that a slave is a Kohen based on my testimony. That's false, false testimony. What he did is he tested, he, didn't, he, he gave true testimony. He said, I saw this person receive a portion of grain at the granary. That's what he said. And based on that, the court said, oh, he received grain. So it was a place of the Buddha. If he received grain, he must be a proper Kohen. Turns out he was actually a slave. And so uh, a mistake happened because as a consequence of his testimony. Uh, now, how could this happen come about? Even the animals of righteous people, Hashem does not allow any error to come uh, to come because of them. Uh, this, so a good example of, is the donkey of Rabbi Pinchas ben Yair, who would refuse to eat uh, tebel. Only if you took maased, he would eat it because he was uh, Pinchas ben Yair was so righteous. Even his donkey was righteous. Uh, so if Hashem does not allow mistakes to come forth because from even the animals of, of righteous and also all the more so the righteous people themselves, so how could this happen that a righteous sage uh, would, uh, whose, his testimony would result in an error like this? Rather, what he must have meant is that they almost established that a slave is a Kohen based on my words, but they uh, cleared it up and they recognized and we recognized our mistake. Now, how did the mistake uh, happen? His testimony was true, but the contexts were different. He saw the dispensing to, of the tirumah to the slave in the place of Rabbi Yoseh, where they weren't careful with this, and they gave the, they dispensed to anyone, and it wasn't uh, as, as significant uh, who they dispensed it to in the place of Rabbi Yoseh, that could not be used as testimony. But then, he 
he testified in a court in the Biyudah's uh, locale. And there, that testimony does work. And the, the, they didn't realize at first that he only saw this happen in the place of Rabbi Yoseh. So it was a miscommunication based on different contexts. And they found out the error. And uh, so no, uh, no stumbling block. No error came from this. But you see how, how important this was that the at dispensing at the granary, they had to be really, really careful uh, to make sure that this person was really a Kohen. Okay, all this has a tremendous amount of practical application nowadays where uh, you know we assume people are Kohanim just based on the, based on their last name, based on they say, you know, father's a Kohen, but it's uh, be uh, very difficult for anyone to prove that they are a Kohen. There is a Kohen gene, but I don't know if we could use that for halachic purposes or if it's really 100%. And so there are cases where we're not sure if, if someone's a Kohen or we can raise doubts uh, about it. And uh, so th- this, these, uh, this discussion of Safek uh, Kohen and the implications uh, have a tremendous amount of uh, practical value. Baruch Adonai Amen